It's Friday, May 14th, 2021. And from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. My name is Josh Rollerson. After 150 years of oil and gas extraction, Pennsylvania's riddled with uncapped orphan wells, the vast majority of them undocumented. Each of those wells, as many as half a million by some estimates, represents a threat to groundwater integrity, air quality, and the climate. But because there's no owner of record responsible for remediating these risks, the task of plugging hundreds of thousands of orphaned wells falls to the state government. The problem is the state simply doesn't have the resources to meet the need. At the rate of the state plugging, it would take hundreds and hundreds of years to plug all the orphans in Pennsylvania. Enter the Regrow Act, a bipartisan bill that would provide more than 4.6 billion federal dollars to plug known orphan wells and document the unknown ones. Pennsylvania would be one of the biggest beneficiaries from the legislation should it become law, and that would mean lots of new jobs. And as we transition to cleaner energy, possibly a chance to re-employ Pennsylvanians laid off from work in fossil fuel industries. We'll take a closer look at the problem and how the Regrow Act would address it coming up in just a minute, right after this news update from PEC's Lily Jones. administration released its 2021 Climate Impacts Report last week, which predicted higher average annual temperatures and more extreme heat and rainfall events throughout Pennsylvania by 2050. These changes would have substantial consequences for the health and safety of people statewide, as well as for Pennsylvania's economy, agriculture, and ecosystems. DEP Secretary Patrick McDonnell says the widespread consequences of climate change will impact everyone. With these projected changes, no one can expect Pennsylvanians' lives to stay as they are now. Environmental justice and equity concerns were a new addition to the risk assessment component of this year's report. Pennsylvania's living in environmental justice communities are especially vulnerable to the threat posed by climate change. Environmental Justice Advisory Board member Rafika Mohammed says that action needs to be taken now to protect people living in these communities. Living this now, living this every day in environmental justice cities and communities we need to take action immediately. We can't wait till mid-century. The results of the Climate Impacts Report are based on a scenario where no action is taken to address climate change. Taking steps to reduce greenhouse gas emissions can help protect Pennsylvania from the worst impacts of climate change. Secretary McDonald suggested joining the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative as a first step. The effort for Pennsylvania to join the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative moved forward last week as the draft final form language for the regulation was released by the DEP. Two DEP advisory committees will meet in the coming weeks to review the regulations. They may take votes on whether to recommend the regulation move forward to the Environmental Quality Board. In other legislative news, Pittsburgh City Council will be considering a resolution to restrict single-use plastic bags. Councilwoman Erica Strasberger introduced the legislation last week, signaling the city's intent to pursue the restriction to simplify recycling for the city and protect the local environment. She will consult with local businesses and environmental groups before formally introducing the ordinance. Municipalities in Pennsylvania are currently prohibited from enacting any legislation banning single-use plastics until at least July, a provision which was added as part of a 2020 budget bill to decrease the burden on businesses during the COVID pandemic. Philadelphia and a handful of other municipalities sued the state this spring over the provision. Philly's plastic bag ban will go into effect this July. As pandemic restrictions loosen, interest in state parks remains higher than in pre-pandemic years. According to a recent analysis by the Philadelphia Inquirer, 
State park visitation increased almost 53% in 2021 compared to 2019. Numbers were still high through April. As of the beginning of May, camping reservations for Memorial Day weekend were almost 90% full. A PEC report released in February found a similar trend among trail users. Across the full 2020 trail season, trail usage increased by 17% from previous years. Some individual trails recorded over 150% increases when comparing single months. Finally, this month, Six state parks are hosting a fun opportunity to learn about local biodiversity and participate in a citizen science project. Throughout May, join the state parks BioBlitz and document as many unique species of plants, animals, and fungi as possible. You can participate by downloading the iNaturalist smartphone app, which will help you identify and document different organisms. If you don't have a smartphone or prefer not to use one, species checklists are available to keep track of your findings. More information is available on DCNR's events calendar. For Pennsylvania Legacies, I'm Lily Jones. The first commercial oil well in the U.S. was drilled in 1859 in Venango County, kicking off Pennsylvania's second energy boom. It'd be more than a century before the state got around to enacting laws to hold operators responsible for cleaning up well sites after they're no longer in use. During that time, hundreds of thousands of oil and gas wells were drilled, extracted, and abandoned, most often without creating any record that they existed in the first place. And even now, loopholes in the existing law make it relatively easy for operators to get themselves off the hook. The scale of this problem is such that really nothing short of federal intervention is going to make a dent. That's the goal of the Revive Economic Growth and Reclaim Orphan Wells Act of 2021, REGROW for short, introduced in Congress last month by Senators Ben Ray Lujan and Kevin Kramer. Adam Peltz, an attorney with the Environmental Defense Fund, is an expert on this subject and joins us now with some analysis. Adam, welcome to Pennsylvania Legacies. Thanks, Josh. I'm looking forward to it. Let's get some terminology out of the way to start off. You often hear different terms used when referring to these older wells, sometimes uh, orphaned wells, sometimes abandoned, idled, etc. Can you kind of uh, explain the differences between those those different categories and why they matter? Sure. So we'll start with idle wells. So idle wells are otherwise active wells that have been temporarily shut in, uh, but have not yet been plugged, that temporary period can sometimes be a matter of days or weeks or months. The problem starts when it becomes years or decades. So those are idle wells. And the uh, most plausible reason for idling is to wait out market fluctuations. So sometimes operators will see a dip in prices and want to pause their production until the prices go back up. The problem occurs when operators use a long-term idling as an excuse to not plug, because generally most states, including Pennsylvania, have rules that after a certain amount of time of not producing, the wells need to be plugged. But operators can often use uh, maintenance of an idle status as an excuse to not plug. The longer wells remain idle, the less likely that the operator of record will be able to afford to plug the well. And when uh, an an operator who owns a well goes bankrupt and there is no money available to plug the well, 
then then it becomes an orphan wealth. And uh, at that point, the responsibility for plugging tends to fall to the state. Now, if there is a bond on that wealth or some other type of financial assurance, then the state can recover that money and put it towards the plugging. But in Pennsylvania, those uh, those bonds and other uh, financial assurance facilities tend to not be enough to cover the cost of plugging. Uh, hence, Pennsylvania's large population of orphan wells, which number around 8,700 documented orphans. But the true number, and this is very idiosyncratic to Pennsylvania, is somewhere between 100 and 550,000 by the TADEP's own estimate. And the reason for that huge number is less what's been going on in the past several decades and more about the period between 1850 and 1950 when hundreds of thousands of wells were drilled throughout the Commonwealth, but before there was any kind of regulation uh, keeping track of where those wells were and indeed whether they were being plugged. You talked a bit about reasons why an operator might choose to idle a well. What about uh, abandoning wells? What uh, what would lead an operator to completely walk away and, and an idled well become a, an abandoned or an orphaned well? So abandoned wells, and, and this is somewhat confusing, and every state uh, does this a little bit differently, but generally an abandoned well is any well that is no longer producing and no longer going to produce. So it is not idle with the intention of restarting, it's just not producing. And there is a universe of plugged and abandoned wells. Those are the ones we like. So in the ideal scenario, and this really should just be the normal scenario, once a well uh, reaches the end of its economic life, the operator plugs the well, which involves pulling uh, casing strings, uh, the metal tubes that are used to construct the well, cleaning out old junk, and then pumping in cement and bentonite mud and using cast iron plugs to make sure that you don't have any flow of fluids between geological layers. So what you're worried about with these wells, if you don't plug them, is that fluids can leak from the layers that contain oil and gas and salt water to your groundwater aquifers and contaminate the aquifers, or uh, you can have leakage of methane and VOCs that either just come out at the surface and cause uh, air quality issues and climate pollution, or in the worst case, they can migrate through aquifers into homes where there is an explosion risk. And so you want these wells, uh, as, as soon as they're no longer producing, to be plugged uh, in order to mitigate those risks. The bad route of abandonment is orphan and abandoned. So the good news, the good, the good news way is plugged and abandoned, and the bad news way is orphan and abandoned. In, in, in the orphaning case, wells are considered orphan when there is no solvent owner of record. So basically, if an operator has these wells hanging around and then the operator goes bankrupt uh, and uh, there aren't enough assets in recovery to pay for the plugging of the wells and, um, and there aren't, whether or not there are bonds, 
uh, it becomes a state responsibility to plug. When there are bonds, the state can use uh, those funds towards plugging. But most of the time, the states collect pennies on the dollar on these wells, which can be quite expensive to plug. In Pennsylvania, the average plugging cost is forty to fifty thousand dollars. Although for orphan wells that the PADEP is plugged, it's closer to seventy-five thousand dollars because some of those older, more complicated wells uh, can be more expensive to plug. And if you multiply a number like seventy-five thousand by the potential of 500,000 or more orphan wells in the state, you start getting some really, really, really big numbers deep into billions of dollars. Right, which is where this uh, federal legislation comes in. And we'll talk about that funding prospect in a moment, too. But, um, you know, given what I think is probably fair to say, a good amount of economic disruption in the energy world the last few years, particularly as it relates to oil and gas, um, given that economic state of affairs, it seems that you would expect to see more entities become insolvent and thus, you know, unavailable to to face accountability for problems with, you know, abandoned wells. I guess I'm wondering, is that the case? Have we seen more uh, wells become sort of wards of the state uh, concurrent with these recent ups and downs in the energy markets? Yeah. So the twin crises for the oil and gas industry of COVID and a a supply war last year uh, led to a a raft of bankruptcies. Now, the good news is that not every bankruptcy means simply that there's a bunch of orphan wells, because often the operators come out of bankruptcy and continue to exist and can continue to operate the wells, or the wells will be sold to another entity that can operate the wells. Uh, Although that storyline doesn't always end up well. And in fact, one of the most common fact pattern that leads to orphaning is that solvent companies sell their end-of-life margin chain to operators that have lower overhead but fewer assets. And they keep going like that until they get to a bankruptcy-proof entity. So, uh, which means that when, when that operator declares bankruptcy, there are no assets to uh, be seized and thus, and thus no money. But to the core of your question, how will the energy transition and changing economics of oil and gas impact this problem? Traditionally, it was the revenue from new wells that would pay the plugging of old wells. That's really how the, the model has worked. But if we are to be phasing out fossil fuel use over the next several decades as we head towards a carbon neutral economy. That will not mean the elimination of oil and gas, but all else being equal, there's certainly going to be less new drilling. Mm -hmm. And so there is a question of how will the plugging of these old wells be financed if there is less and less development over time. And that is what is leading people to be uh, more concerned about this issue than ever. And before we get into the response to the situation and the Regrow Act, could you talk a little bit more about, in addition to the groundwater impacts and the public safety angle, 
what sort of climate impacts are we talking about? Because that, that's an important part of this, right? Methane emissions are associated with orphan wells. Yes. And so the EPA estimates that something like seven megatons of emissions uh, of, of the CO2 equivalent emissions, mostly in methane, are generated by inactive unplugged wells in the U.S. every year. That's a larger population than orphans because an, an orphan requires the state to verify that there's no owner of record. And that has only happened in uh, for 56,000 wells. So there's hundreds of thousands of other wells that are in kind of a, a nether status. But anyway, if you take that whole population of inactive unplugged wells, you get seven megatons a year of CO2 equivalent pollution, uh, which makes it the uh, 10th largest human-made source of methane emissions in the U.S. and a fairly big chunk, perhaps 10% of upstream methane emissions. And that number is likely an undercount. EPA estimates that the number could be two to three times higher, just that the emissions from these wells uh, haven't been particularly well characterized. So there's more research going on, and, and we should get more accurate numbers as we go. So you said that, you know, in the absence of an owner of record or somebody who can be held accountable for the costs of mitigating these wells, it tends to fall on the states. Currently, what resources are available to support that work? I mean, what are states working with beyond the, um, you know, the fees that you mentioned, which obviously, as we're transitioning off of fossil fuels, that's going to be uh, diminishing. What what else is currently there to to meet this expense? So there's around 30 states with oil and gas development, and each takes a slightly different approach to this issue. Uh, so some kind of financial assurance where a certain amount of money has to be put up per well uh, or more usually a blanket bond covering multiple wells, which has been a real public policy problem. That's kind of a core policy that a lot of states use. Some states have assessed fees based on production that go into a pot that uh, the state can use to, uh, to plug orphan wells. Texas takes that approach and they have around $20 million a year in that state towards plugging. Pennsylvania does not have any kind of uh, production-based fee uh, and uh, Pennsylvania's bonding uh, requirements are among the weakest in the country with the uh, especially big loophole for wells drilled before 1984, which had no bonding requirements at all, and are by far the largest portion of the, of the orphan wells in the state. So the state only has you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of good year of dollars to plug the orphans. And at the rate of the state plugging, it would take hundreds and hundreds of years to plug all the orphans in Pennsylvania. So as much as we like to let states handle things kind of in their own ways, like, there is definitely a category of problems that are just too big for that, that, where the federal government really kind of has to take a hand. And this seems like seems to be one of them. And to that, to that end, we have this Lujan Kramer uh, bill uh, known as the Regrow Act. Talk about the legislation, what's actually in it, what would it do, and then how would that play out in Pennsylvania? How would it affect us? So this uh, bipartisan bill in the Senate, which was uh, introduced in the middle of April would provide around $4.6 billion to states, tribes, and 
federal land management agencies that oversee oil and gas development, particularly the Bureau of Land Management, uh, mostly for wells out west. And uh, the money would be divided between the states pretty much based on the number of documented orphan wells in each state. And so there are 57,000 documented orphan wells right now uh, in the U.S. That number is subject to change as states go through their databases and, and document more of these orphans. Pennsylvania has around 8,500. And so share of the uh, national orphan wells is perhaps 14, 15%. And so there is a possibility of Pennsylvania getting many, many hundreds of millions of dollars over 10 years or so uh, that would be injected into the state's existing orphan well plugging program. And what the DEP does is contract out with local pluggers uh, who are often mom and pop shops that have, you know, so small operations throughout northern and western Pennsylvania. And they contract out the plugging of a set of wells, and then the wells get plugged. The idea here is supercharge the existing orphan well plugging system. And the goal of the program is to plug and remediate basically every documented orphan well in the country and make a down payment on some of the undocumented wells. So the, the bill includes money for uh, states to better characterize uh, the wells and document them and to work with the Department of Energy on finding these wells, which is, has been ongoing in Pennsylvania for many years. And so it would facilitate the continuation of that work. Um, and the bill also has incentives that release even more money for states that uh, update or improve their financial assurance rules, their idle well management rules, their well transfer rules, and related policy triggers uh, that can help reduce future orphan well burden. Uh, there's also incentives for states that increase the size of their own orphan well plugging fund. So if Pennsylvania found a way to raise money from industry uh, for orphan well plugging, the uh, federal government would match such increases. So overall, the, the bill is a potentially big slug of money that not only would plug a lot of wells, but, and in fact, its primary purpose is to create jobs. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars would create or retain thousands of oil field service jobs in Pennsylvania. And so because of the job creation aspect and because of the environmental protection aspect, this is a real win-win. The bill has support across the country. And uh, the, as more people hear about it, more people like it. You said something kind of interesting earlier about how, you know, the problem of funding mitigation work is connected with something that, you know, in the larger sense is actually a really positive trend that we're transitioning to cleaner energy. And that's something that we want to see happen, obviously. But at the same time, we have to recognize that that, that has other implications. So there's always this kind of 
double-edgedness, kind of a double-edged sword uh, quality to the, to these issues. And I think another area maybe where you see that a bit is in the, the impacts, potential impacts on the labor economy. Uh, when you think about how many people through no fault of their own and largely due to market forces that are at work in the in the economy, irrespective of any kind of government intervention, for a variety of reasons, jobs in particularly fossil fuel industries have been and will continue to be lost going forward. The question is then, like, how do we manage this transition in a way that doesn't further victimize those workers? How does the legislation address that? You know, these Pennsylvania's Orphan Well program has long contracted with local service companies to do this work. And so just naturally, it is the companies that have been working with the DEP and that are known to the DEP that would tend to be first in line to receive these contracts. But the, the one piece of good news with this bill is that there's so much money involved that uh, pretty much anyone who wants to plug a well in Pennsylvania will have the opportunity to do so. And, uh, and the money lasts 10 years, and it is certainly possible that there might be more in the future since Pennsylvania has so many of these wells. You know, it's not a total panacea for the entire industry, but it does allow people with deep expertise in Pennsylvania to uh, do work in their field for some time to come in a way that benefits everyone. And to be clear, when you say you know, people with deep expertise, you're talking about people who formerly worked in oil and gas and maybe lost their jobs. Uh, there would be opportunities then for maybe some of the same people who were involved in the drilling of the well in the first place to then be the ones to you know shut it down in a safe and responsible way and actually earn a living in the process. So people are still doing jobs analyses uh, based on this. I know that around 100,000 uh, oil and gas workers lost their job last year nationwide. I'm not sure how many of those were in Pennsylvania. But overall, the bill is expected to create or retain tens of thousands of oil field service jobs. So it's, it's quite a dent in the downfall that we saw last year. Within the oil field services sector, there is a whole range of opportunities. Uh, people tend to learn on the job as they go. But one of the reasons why my sense is that it will be Pennsylvanian companies that are hired to plug Pennsylvanian wells is that so many of the orphan wells in Pennsylvania are old, quite old, uh, and Pennsylvania's geology is somewhat unique and uh, difficult to, to work in. And you really do need to have expertise in the specific geology in addition to the engineering. And there is a wealth of experience already in Pennsylvania's oil and gas workforce to do this. Uh, so I think for, for that reason, it's a great opportunity for the existing industry participants. H how many new people will be hired who were never in the oil and gas industry uh, for this work before? I couldn't tell you, but they do tend to take people on who are who are interested. We've been talking about Pennsylvania, obviously, but you're national. You work on oil and gas issues all over the country. I'm curious, what are other areas that you're looking at in, in your work? Is there another state that Pennsylvania should be trying to emulate right now or, or looking to to improve the way we're doing things? It's always a good idea for Pennsylvania to be conferring with its Appalachian neighbors because a lot of the issues of you know, legacy development that Pennsylvania faces are also faced 
West Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, and New York. And so coordinating and developing a regional approach is a good idea. Otherwise, Pennsylvania participates in the Interstate Oil and Gas Compact Commission, which is an association of state oil and gas regulators, where there is active exchange right now on ideas of how to maximize the benefits of this legislation and to reduce future orphan well burden. But uh, no state has gotten it quite right, but different states have adopted different policies uh, that Pennsylvania might want to pay attention to, like limiting the number of idle wells that can be covered by a blanket bond or requiring single well bonds for stripper wells upon transfer. And so there's, there is opportunity for Pennsylvania to look outside to other states for some good ideas. But this problem exists across the country. California has a lot of orphan wells. Uh, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Texas, and Louisiana have a lot of orphan wells. Kansas, the upper Midwest, Illinois, Indiana, and Michigan do. So no one did a great job of this in the past. But all of these states have an opportunity to improve in the future, especially Pennsylvania. Yeah, and with the big infusion of federal cash, it would, it would seem like that's poised to move forward in a big way. Yep. Uh, Adam Peltz with Environmental Defense Fund, thanks so much for your time today. It's my pleasure. that's all for this edition of Pennsylvania Legacies. Be sure to join us for the next one coming up in two weeks. We release new podcast episodes every other Friday. You can find them at peckpa.org, P-E-C-P-A.org. That's our website where you can find out all about the Pennsylvania Environmental Council and its activities across the state in areas such as energy and climate, as well as watersheds, communities and landscapes, economic development centered on conservation, and of course, trails and outdoor recreation. We do all that and more, and you can find out what we're up to lately by visiting the website one more time, PECPA.org. All of our past podcast episodes live there as well, or you can subscribe using Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. We're at PECPA. Until next time, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollers, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.